The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Today's scripture reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 23 through 27. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thank you, Donna, and good morning, Downtown Church. It is good to be with us this morning with you uh, as we begin a new sermon series that we're calling Exposed. We're, we're taking a couple of month break from the book of Isaiah um, to deal with this present moment um, and, and the stress and the, the, the worrisome events that are coming at us and the, the change of pace in life and all the impacts that it's having on us and how that is exposing us Um, And and so we're excited about this new series. I'm excited to kick it off uh, with uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verses 23 through uh, 27. And so before we dive into this text and and see the relevant message to us today, let's, uh, let's pray that God would be with us as we do. Our great God, we beg you um, to be in our midst. Uh, We beg you to pour out your spirit right where each of us are. Father, I don't know much, but I know that the evil one does not want us to hear this message. I don't know much, but I do know that this message is the message that we need to hear because it's the message that will bring us life. It is the message that will bring us joy. It is the message that will allow us to experience a hope beyond our circumstances that we might be the men and women, boys and girls, that you've called us to be. So, God, I beg not selfishly this morning, but I beg out of a gospel hunger to see men and women, boys and girls, getting the encouragement of your gospel that I've needed this week and I've needed for this season. I pray, oh God, that you would meet us right where we are, that you would help us to hear what we need to hear, not hear what we don't need to hear, Feed us, O God, by your word. Give us Jesus. May he grow in our hearts and minds so beautiful, so glorious, that we will want to discipline our lives in his direction, that we might find life and love and hope and joy and peace. O God, would you grant me strength as I preach this morning? I desperately need you, O God. I can do nothing outside of your strength, nothing outside of your spirit. So equip me, O God. Grant me your spirit. Do a mighty work, much more, much greater than anything I could ever do or any man or woman could ever take credit for. 
Would you do it this morning for your glory and for the good of your people? And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, as we dive into this text this morning, we need a little context. Um, You see, in Corinth, in ancient Corinth, every two years, they hosted these games that they called the Isthmian Games. Our Olympic Games today uh, mirror these ancient games. They had uh, different types of events, running events, boxing, uh, chariot races, and the like. And athletes, not unlike today, uh, would devote their entire lives. They would discipline their bodies. They would discipline their minds. They would forfeit the pleasures of the world and the luxuries of the world for this one purpose, and that is to receive and be crowned the champion of their event in the Isthmian Games. Now, I did a little research this week, and the, the crown itself that they were working for, the crown itself that they were striving for, was a crown made, get this, of wilted celery. <laughs> uh, wilted celery. It doesn't take much work for us to make the comparison to us today. Though we want to discipline ourselves or distance ourselves from ancient people, dear friends, it doesn't take much work for us to realize that we too are sacrificing much, pursuing crowns that Paul refers to as perishable crowns, and they're literally more than, little more than crowns of celery. This became clear to me just this week, um, timely or or providentially. um, uh, HBO released the documentary on Michael Phelps called The Weight of Gold. Uh, Michael Phelps is the greatest, most decorated Olympian of all times. He was decorated with 28 medals. That's more medals than anyone has ever been decorated with. And not only that, 23 of those were gold. So that's the most medals and the most gold medals that anyone has ever won. And yet, this documentary, um, as the title suggests, focuses on the impact um, these achievements and this training and this sacrifice um, for Phelps had as he disciplined his body in the pool and for swimming. He talks about, after the, especially after the final Olympics, um, and being decorated the greatest of all time, the greatest in the history of the world, he speaks of going to his room and wanting to die. He talks about this crown of celery (laughs) that, that, that he realizes that the realization that everything he's built his life on, everything that he's disciplined his heart for, is little more than a perishable crown that will leave you sitting in your room wanting to die. The reason I use this illustration, the reason we've come to this passage this morning is because I believe this pandemic has has really heightened and granted us the opportunity to see how we too are chasing crowns of celery, wilted celery. As a a driven pastor (laughs) who, who wants to to see even God do great things through him. Um, As an Enneagram 3 who who strives for achievement, my plans have been frustrated 
My plans have been brought to a, 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 a screeching halt. And yet, in the midst of this, God has, be, has begun to, to just dissect the, the crowns of celery that I look to. Uh, those things that I'm pursuing, uh, maybe with some godly motive, but really at the, at the root of it. If you really dig down, you really isolate it, it's so that I might have a crown that makes me feel significant, that makes me feel beautiful, that makes me feel loved. Uh, that has happened to me, and I know many of you, um, fellow entrepreneurs and, and uh, starters and achievers and so forth. But I think that also we have seen our, our idols of celery have also been um, exposed to us in, in, in an opposite direction. Uh, those of us who have been immersed in our work, those of us who are essential workers can't get away from work. And, and that which you're looking to for, for significance is now drowning you. Uh, that which you're looking to, and I see this in parents too, you love your children, but how many parents have at least not experienced once or twice, if not for an extended season, being sick and overwhelmed with your children? Uh, you see, our true self is being exposed in the midst of this pandemic. Our authentic self. That's what happened to Michael Phelps. His eyes were open to the reality that everything he was investing his identity in could not hold the investment in which he was making. It was a crown of celery. Friends, what are the crowns of celery that you are pursuing, that you are placing your hopes in? We have to do some work to, to really get to the root of these. Um, so let's do that. Let's ask ourselves this question. What crown of celery are you chasing? Now, it seems ridiculous. If, if, if I were just to ask that question, you would think it would be easy. We would all want to answer it. If I said, okay, you can either chase perishable crowns that will leave you, that will exhaust you and leave you in the end uh, depressed, despondent, and completely empty of meaning and purpose and life and joy and peace, or there is an imperishable crown that if you deny all four and, and, and give yourself to, it will energize you, it will enliven you, you will find the purpose for which you've been made, and it will carry on into eternity and even get better. I mean, who of us would not choose the imperishable crown? And yet we don't. In fact, all of us, even those of us who call ourselves Christians, are still living for perishable crowns. Why is this? Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us the heart is deceitful above all things. And listen to this, and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Do you know that about yourself this morning? Are you willing to admit that your heart not your neighbors, not your brother, not your sister, but you, O oh Lord, your heart is sick. Until we can do that, dear friends, uh, we are not going to see how we are pursuing perishable crowns when, in fact, an imperishable crown is being offered. Uh, this pandemic has offered me the opportunity to identify... Um, some perishable crowns in my life. Um, 
I, I realize with, I guess, immersion in relationship and watching how my heart has responded to others, my wife and others, uh, it, it's unearthed some things. And by God's providence and, and goodness, I was turned on to a podcast by uh, a counselor in, uh, in actually Fort Collins, Colorado, by the name of Adam Young. And his podcast is entitled, The, the Place We Find Ourselves. Um, and I would highly recommend you go back to season one and listen to at least podcast one, four, and five, maybe seven. Listen to the first 12 if you really want to do some hard work. But I have jumped into these podcasts, and, and what Adam Young does is he deals with or explains attachment in, insecurities or insecure attachment issues. He goes back and, and says um, through neuroscience and, and, and other um, studies how the first year of our lives really shapes and molds the way we relate to others the rest of our lives. And we can literally go back and you say, well, who in the world remembers the first year of their life? Well, you, you know the first year of your life by how you relate uh, to others in your life. So you can understand what you didn't get uh, and what you did get by how you relate to people today. Now, it's genius, it's brilliant, it's been one of the most eye-opening seasons for me to, to do this study, but the reason I'm doing this study is not so as to hate my parents and my, my nurturers or the, the nurture that I didn't get and so on, but to understand me because understanding brokenness and acknowledging brokenness is the first step to healing and flourishing. And until you acknowledge it, you're stuck in it. And, and who wants to be stuck in uh, insecure attachment or, or whatever dysfunction uh, we might have? The answer to that is a lot of us. It's a lot easier to not deal with it than to deal with it. Um, but one thing Adam Young did in, in, or says is that Christians seem to be most resistant to doing this hard work of looking back and identifying what we did not get from our parents or caregivers in our childhood. Uh, we've so spiritualized um, even the commands of honor your father and mother. We think that that means we can't go back and take an honest look at our childhood. And, and that's just simply ridiculous. Uh, we don't look at it to hate. We look at it to honor by seeking God's grace and mercy to heal and to change and to be better and different um, in, in our lives. Well, um, so... One other thing that he said that really gets at the heart of where I'm going this morning is he made this statement, or at least this is what I heard. Uh, he, he said something to this, degree, to this degree. How many of you have asked your children, how many of you uh, uh, parents have asked your children, and I guess older children, how your parenting um, harmed them or is the root of some of the brokenness of their lives? And as soon as he asked that question, something in me came alive. My fist came up internally. And I said, no. <laughs> uh, and, and it shocked me how, it, how I just literally uh, came up with defense. And as I thought about that, as I prayed about that, as I applied the gospel of God's grace to that in my own life, I realized that I have made... Um, parenting an idol in my life. 
I have made it a perishable crown, a crown of celery that I have looked to. Why? Because I had, to some degree, a painful childhood in many ways. And so I determined early on, something clicked in me, I will never be like that. But what I was doing even beyond that was saying, parenting, being a good father, is going to save me. It's going to redeem me. Do you see how subtle that is? There, every, there's nothing wrong and everything good with wanting to be a good father. We should lift good fathers up. However, being a good father can become an idol. That the, the, um, the very altar before which we bow and we must have, and when that's the case, we can't even entertain how we have failed our children and encourage them to seek help and to seek the flourishing in their lives from Christ and from the gospel through counselors and others. Do you see how deceptive, how destructive our hearts can be? Some of us in this pandemic, when asked, how have you weathered um, the pandemic, many of us would say, great. But what is the basis upon which? What we're saying is we've not gone uh, necessarily, necessarily to alcoholism or pornography or money or other things, but we have developed new habits of exercise and eating well and sleeping more and spending more time with our family, and these are all good things. But friends, they can't be ultimate things. How many of us, and this really is the question that we need to be asking, how many of us are really pursuing the imperishable crown of Jesus? You see, some of us might even go in a different direction when, when asked, how are you doing? You, you may say, well, I'm not so good because I haven't been able to go to church. Even that exposes an idolatry. Believers have not been able to assemble together in just about every generation and every age throughout the world right now. Uh, current history in China, the president of China has demanded that Christians renounce Christ and declare him to be their president, him to be their ultimate loyalty in life. And he is killing Christians who will not do that. Today, we're talking about right now, today. And so, friends, believers, we have to ask ourselves, if we're not doing well spiritually during these times, have I built disciplines in my life that point me to Christ? Or have I spent most of my time with Netflix and Disney Plus and reading books and eating well and exercising and numbing myself or, or getting to know my, those around me better? Do you understand that we have to pursue the imperishable crown, and we do it by identifying the perishable crowns? But then secondly, the key to discipline one's life toward the imperishable crown is love. Love is the foundation of discipline and self-control. What Paul is saying in, in, in uh, illustrating this passage goes against the thought of his day. Greek Stoicism said the will is what, we is what must master us as people. Um, just discipline yourself enough and, and you will have a, a healthy, wealthy, and good and prosperous and flourishing life. And yet what Paul is doing is he's saying, no, he's not denying, as the Greek Stoics did, the validity of emotion and love. Why? Because we're made an image of God who's not just will but is also emotion, who is in fact love itself. And so when Paul says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings, 
He is pointing to uh, a deep reality of a God who has come to save. When he says, I do it for the sake of the gospel, what is he talking about? What is the gospel? Here's the gospel. Not only am Richard, is Richard Reeves broken and beyond self-repair or even community repair, I need more than counseling. I need more than an Adam Young podcast. Uh, you know, not only am I broken beyond repair, but so is everything around me. The world around me is broken beyond repair. Every person, every system, every government, every politician, every marriage, every workplace, every hobby, every church, every institution. You see, my hope is not in anything in this world. It's not changing my circumstances. It's not even getting a more just world, as important as that is. But friends, it's understanding that everything is broken beyond repair but Jesus. But Jesus has come into this world to redeem not just Richard Reeves, but the world in which he lives. Jesus has come to, to love me and remake me and everything under his kingly rule. Because he represented me before the law because he took on flesh and obeyed the law, because he lived under the, the unjust and, and, and unjust um, um, rule of those around him that literally falsely accused, tried, and crucified him, executed him. Because he submitted to that, he has power over it through his resurrection. One day, someday, he's coming back to reign, and he is coming back as, as uh, the greatest ruler of all times, to remake not only Richard Reeves into the man that I am to be, but the world in which I live. This is the gospel. This is the one that we must hope in. Jesus not only wants um, a just world and, and uh, a renewed humanity, peace in the world, but he has lived, died, and risen again to accomplish this kind of world and this kind of salvation. He is the essence of the salvation of marriage and relationships and work and community and governments. He is the end of every virus. He is the end of children being impacted by learning disabilities or autism or, or, or abuse or poverty. I'm talking about the end of racism, the end of prejudice, and the ushering in under his kingly rule of love and peace and harmony among enemies. Dear friends, I'm talking about a holistic gospel that Paul embraced. For, for Paul, however, the gospel was not just an idea and agenda. It was a person. Listen to Philippians 3. For his sake, not for the sake of some mission to make the world a better place, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. It's for his sake that I've disciplined my body, that I've beat my body, made it my slave, um, which is what the, the little, literal translation. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You say, this sounds crazy, far-fetched that we would want to join Christ in his sufferings. Well, how many children today are going to swim practice at 5.30 in the morning to share in the sufferings of Michael Phelps? That's all he's saying. He's saying, if you view Jesus as worthy enough, if you view Jesus as the essence of life itself, then yes, you're willing to sacrifice. Yes, you're willing to give up the loss of everything else that you might obtain this imperishable prize, which is Jesus Christ. For Paul, it wasn't earning salvation and favor. It was about relationship and covenant loyalty. The Christian life that, that, we're being, that we're talking about here, it's easy to miss it, but it's all about relationship because Jesus is the prize, not just the blessings, but the blessing of the gospel is Jesus himself and everything that he ushers in. But, but it's relational, and relationships are bound by commitment, yes, but the life of our relationships is that of love. Jesus said this, in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we immediately go to keep his commandments so I can prove that I love him. No, love him and you'll keep his commandments. Love your wife, love your husband, love your spouse, love your children and your obedience, your money. Everything will follow. And that is what the gospel does. It captivates our hearts so that we are driven and disciplined by love. Paul will get to this in just a few chapters over. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. What does he say? He says, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Thomas Chalmers, Scottish preacher from a long time ago, said the only way, I've used this numerous times because I love it so, the only way to dispossess an old affection is the explosive power of a new one. Do you want change in your life? Then make Jesus the imperishable crown. Make Jesus your crown. Bring him into focus. And then you're eating healthy. And then you're exercise. And then you're not drinking or you're drinking. And then your work. And then your hobby and then your play will all go to serve that ultimate love of Jesus. There's a difference between running a race to, um, to secure an identity and running a race out of the freedom and love of a God who made you fast and gave you the ability to run. There's a difference between doing your work to justify your existence and doing your work that you might please the God who has given you the gifts and abilities to do what he's called you to do and to redeem what he's called you to put your hand to. Do you see it? It, it is so subtle, and yet it's the difference between life and death, joy and, 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 and slavery, peace and real discontentment and disharmony. Well, how can we make Jesus our crown of glory and our crown of righteousness? Number three, love for Jesus is the result 
of stopping on Jesus' profile to adore him. You heard me right. <laughs> the love for Jesus is the result of stopping on Jesus' profile to adore him. Stop the scrolling on your Instagram and Facebook of different people and ideas and maybe religions and maybe saviors. Stop your scrolling. Well, maybe my work is going to do it for me. Maybe this girl, maybe this guy, maybe if I just have children, maybe if I get rid of the children I have, maybe if I had a new wife, maybe if I had a new husband, maybe if I get a new job, maybe if I move to Colorado, maybe stop the endless scrolling and stop on Jesus and look at his profile and look at his photos and get consumed and overwhelmed with the person of Jesus Christ. Defriend all of your idols and have one friend, and that is Jesus. And immerse yourself in his profile. Because when you do, you will see that he has your picture on his wall. You say, what are you, what are you talking about, Richard? Listen to Hebrews chapter 12. Let us, chapter 12, verse 1b through 2. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now get this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy set before him? What is the only thing Jesus didn't possess as the Son of God? You and me and a world of peace and righteousness. The joy set before him, that there was no one who disciplined himself more. He was the Son of God. He, he remained on a cross when he was being uh, stripped naked, beat, uh, accused of false crimes, all he had to do was just a little twitch of his will and he could have obliterated everyone around him. And yet he didn't. Why? Because he had you in mind. He had me in mind. He had the injustices of my black brothers and sisters on his heart in that moment. He knew that for him to get off the cross would ensure that the world will remain as it is. He did it for a day of justice and reckoning and reparation beyond anyone's imagination. He did it for you who are sitting in your fear of this COVID virus, for those, those of you who have lost loved ones and those of us who will lose loved ones. He did it for us in the midst of our, our, our angst of, of not being able to accomplish and, and, and facing the trials of loss of work or the fears of loss of job. He did it for us who are, feel isolated and cut off from community, even community inside our church. He did it so that we someday, one day someday, will not have to experience everything that we're experiencing right now. He did it for you, for the joy of seeing you at his table as his son and daughter, as seeing you in his kingdom, working for his glory, understanding and realizing the purpose for which you've been made, understanding and experiencing a love to the degree to which you won't even have to be married to understand the depths of love. That is the new kingdom. That 
is the new earth. This is that for which Jesus came. And it is worth disciplining our hearts and giving up everything for. What Jesus came to do was to create a new kingdom, to create a new world in which Black Lives Matter advocates um, and those protesting sit at the table with, with white evangelicals who deny even their, uh, the, the righteousness of protesting to sit at the same table, both under the kingship and lordship of Jesus, of sitting hand in hand, both protester and um, uh, politician, Republican and Democrat, all of the disharmony uh, of police with young African Americans hand in hand at the table. This is the kind of world that Jesus came to create for you and for me that we might know a redemption beyond anything we could possibly imagine. We, we lift up, and rightly so, heroes that have fought uh, against injustice and for justice. John Lewis um, who's, um, who passed away a week and a half or so ago. Uh, his his uh, funeral was this, was this week, and it was so obvious how dearly loved he was by so many. Why? Because he advocated for the oppressed. He advocated um, for, for African-American brothers and sisters and so far beyond. He fought for it and therefore endeared people unto himself that share in that struggle. But dear friends, Jesus has done more than fought against it. He will redeem it. He will make it right. One day, someday, Jesus will come again and all of the longings of our hearts will be fulfilled in him in ways that we cannot even imagine and we've yet to even dream of. That's the Jesus of this passage. That's the Jesus of the Bible. That's the Jesus that Paul says is the imperishable crown. And that's the Jesus worth giving up anything and everything to possess and to have. Because the more of Jesus you have, the more life you have. The more of Jesus you have, the more peace you have. The more of Jesus you have, the more meaning you have. The more of Jesus you have, the more resilient you are in times like this. Friends, is Jesus your purpose? Is he your imperishable crown? Is he literally what you're after? Friends, take this season to repent, to do hard work, to do whatever you must do to let God expose the, the perishable crowns for which you're chasing, that you might trade them for the imperishable crown of Jesus himself, that we might know life and we might know health and we might know peace. Pray with me. Our great and glorious King, we rejoice in you this morning. We thank you that you, one day, someday, because you lived, died, and rose again, you are coming back to make all things new. You will level injustice. You will level hate. You will end racism and prejudice. You will end a purposeless life. You will end depression. You will end hopelessness. You'll, you'll end the darkness of all the struggles that we face. And all things will be made new. And you, Lord Jesus, will be that which we love and that which we serve in your new kingdom perfectly and forever. Oh, God, would you save somebody today? Would you change somebody's mind? Would you change somebody's heart? Would you turn the hearts of us as Christians back to you? Would you unite us 
in our repentance and unite us in our faith in you, O God. Would you do a mighty work in our church, in this city, in this state, in this country, in this world? You are worthy, O God, for it. Make it so, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear friends, may we now respond to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ as we bring our tithes and offerings to him. You may text lowercase downtown church, one word, all lowercase, to 73256. You may go on our website, downtownchurch.com. You may go on the realm and set up monthly giving. Uh, We just ask you to please respond to his grace now. If you're busy with us, uh, please let us know you're here. Give us um, a text at 62488. 62488, and uh, just give us your email, and and we'll just keep you up to date with what's going on in the life of the church. Um, Be blessed, dear friends, and prepare your hearts. Go get your elements now if you've yet to do so as we prepare for the Lord's Supper.